Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. The thing that I talked about last Sunday night that I want to get back to tonight, and it's in this same uh, in the same series of what to do in time of trouble. Uh, the third thing, and I brought this up, like I said last Sunday night, was live clean. Be sure you are not practicing a sinful lifestyle. Go with me to James chapter four. James chapter four. Praise the Lord. You know, there are, there are messages that... Uh, are more camp meeting style messages. And then there are messages that are more pastoral where it's down where we live. And it's sometimes not what, what we always want to talk about, amen? And so we have to have all of those. In James chapter four, let's start in verse number one. He said, where do wars and fights come from, um, come from among you? Do, not they, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures." Now, the word pleasures there is the, in uh, the Greek word that's translated pleasures at the very end of verse three is the same word that's translated pleasures in verse number one where it says they come from your desires for pleasures. The Greek word for that is hedone. It's spelled H-E-D-O-N-E. We, you might have heard the word hedonistic, hedonism. Well, that's where that those words come from this Greek word. It's used five times in the New Testament and two of them are right here. And every time this word, this word hedonates, translated pleasures, uh, I think in most places, it's always used in the sense of sinful pleasures. God's not uh, against you enjoying life, but there are some things that are not right. Amen. In fact, hold your place here and go with me to uh, Mark chapter, no, I think it's Luke's version of this. Luke, it might be Luke 8. Let me see, go over to Luke 8. I think the, the word is used there. Yeah. In Luke 8, it's recorded in Matthew and Mark as well, but in Luke, Luke's version of the parable of the sower. You know, Jesus taught the parable of the sower and he said that uh, the sower goes out to, to uh, sow the word and some, and some uh, in verse five it says, some seed sell, fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ear to hear, ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I'd like to cry the same thing this morning. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
When the disciples asked him later, they said, what does this parable mean? He said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, why was, uh, why was other people put in this category that it was not given to them because it was given to them to not understand and to not see and to not understand? It's because... And what made the difference? What made the difference between the disciples and all the others? He spoke to the multitude in this parable and he said to, it was not given to the, to the multitude to understand, but it's given to you. The reason it was given to them is they asked him. If you look at the other translations it said, or the other uh, gospel versions of this, it says when they were alone after he ministered to the multitude, when they were alone with Others, In other words, it wasn't just the 12 disciples. It was the 12 disciples and a small group of others who hung around after the meeting and wanted to know the meaning of the parable. And that's when he said, well, it's given to you to understand the rest of them. It's not given. If you don't want to know more, it'll be hidden from you. But if you want to know more, you're always in that inner circle by your choice or you're in the outer circle by your choice. And he said... Uh, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root but believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now here's what the verse I wanted to get to. Now the ones that fell, the seed that fell among the thorns are those who when they have heard, that is heard the word, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. The same word here is used, hadone. He says that cares of this life, riches, and the pleasures, the sinful pleasures of life will choke the word of God out of your life. And it will produce no fruit. I said it'll produce no fruit. And you'll produce no fruit. Well, is that true or not? Let's go back to James. That's what he's talking about. James chapter four. <clears throat> He said, you ask and do not receive. Well, you know, a lot of people are asking and not receiving. I said, a lot of people are asking and not receiving. I would say it's a crisis in the church because most Christians don't get their prayers answered. And then they cover it up by saying, well, the Lord didn't want to give it to me anyway. They ask for one thing and the opposite happens and so they say, well, that must be the will of God. Well, if you're asking according to the word of God, if something's promised you in the word of God and you ask for it, then you ought to receive it. Well, if you're not receiving it, there's a reason why. And a lot of times we focus on a lack of faith, but lack of faith isn't the only reason. He gives us a reason right here. We ought to, lead, we ought to read it. I said, we ought to read it. We ought to give heed to it. He said, you ask and you do not receive, not because you don't have enough faith, because you ask wrongly. Other translations say you ask with wrong motives. 
that you may spend it on your sinful pleasures. Now, when you see the word spend, don't just think of money. In other words, you, you, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motive that you might use it for wrong things. You ask the Lord to heal you and he does and then you don't show up again. Come on. He raised you up so that you could use your strength to glorify him, not go out and do things that are contrary to him. Do you see what I'm talking about? Now God is merciful and he is gracious, but like I said early, earlier, he knows you. And he knows your track record. Amen. And we, if we're gonna receive God's best, we're gonna have to demonstrate a desire to give God our best. That doesn't mean that we are, are always successful in doing it, but if we don't have a desire to serve God and we don't have a desire to put things away out of our lives that shouldn't be there, we're not gonna enjoy the blessings of God to the degree he wants us to. Now, there's a lot of people that would challenge me today and I wish they were sitting here because I'd, I'd, I'd challenge them right back. This is scripture. He said, you ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive that you might use it on your sinful pleasures. That's pretty plain. Well, he gets more plain. Verse number five, adulterers and adulteresses. Now, he's not talking about physical adultery here. He's talking about spiritual. You know, there's something called spiritual adultery. That's what he's talking about here. That, that is having, having a, a heart that departs from God and a, a, a heart that forsakes your covenant and forsakes your vows to the Lord and forsakes the, the, the one who has given you life in order to run after something else that takes life away from you. Spiritual adultery is what it is. Let me read this out of... Uh, This is the NIV. Verse four says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship, this is written to the church, my friend. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor, favor to the humble. Verse seven, we always like to, to, to quote the, the end of this verse but you have to quote the first part of it. Submit yourselves then to God. That means humble yourselves before God. What is he, the, the first right before that says, this is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're resisting him and he's not fleeing, maybe you're not, you're not completely submitted to God. You can't have, you can't have the devil show up at your front door 
and you stand there at your front door and say, no, you don't, I resist you. And the whole time the back door is open and you're just, you're welcoming all of his cohorts in the back door. That doesn't work. You can't, you can't be submitted to the devil and, and resist him at the same time. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. This is not a condemning message. This is a liberating message. If you need to hear this, this is this, you need to hear this. If you need to hear this, this will set you free. Amen. And, and I would say we all need to hear this. Well, praise the Lord. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Oh, kumbaya, Lord, kumbaya, come by here. And he's sitting up there singing, kumbaya, y'all, kumbaya. Kumbaya, y'all, kumbaya. Come on up here. Amen, quit running with the world. Don't try to be like the world. Too many Christians love the world. They want to, they want to, they want to appeal to the world. They want to be respected by the world. They want to be looked up by the world. They want, to, they want to conform to the world because they don't want to risk the persecution that comes from standing out and being separate from the world. There's a, there's a price to pay if you're going to live for God. The good thing is that along with that price, there's a reward that's far better. But let's, let's just talk about the price for a minute. If you're gonna live for God, there is a price to pay in this world. Some people will not respect you. Some people will not like you. Some people will talk about you. They'll mock you. They'll shun you. They might try to hurt you. They'll try to do things that would be harmful to you. I'm telling you, if you're gonna live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul said you will suffer persecution. But notice, he gives favor to the humble, glory to God. See, when you, when you cast your lot in with the Lord, the Bible says he will, make even, he will even make your enemies to be at peace with you. So there's promise in the midst of the, of the problem. There's promise in the midst of the persecution. He said, you throw your lot in with me and I will cover you. I'll have your back. I'll cause blessing to come your way. You might have people at work that won't talk to you and shun you, but you'll have other people and they don't even know why they do it. They'll just bless you. Amen. Glory to God. God will, God will take care of you, but you can't love the world. I'm talking about loving the world in the sense of wanting to be like the world. We love the world in the uh, 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 evangelical sense or, 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 the, or the sense of wanting to reach the world, but we don't love the world in the sense of trying to be like them and afraid to, to come out and, and say what we believe and, and live what we believe. No, we have to be a bold witness in this dark and sinful world. We can't be like the world. Well, praise the Lord. Let me keep on reading here. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Well, come on, Lord, move, move, move. He's telling you, move. Wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So that, that didn't sound like that, that should be written to the church. Well, it was written to the church, whether it sounds like it to you or not. It was written to the church. Grieve, mourn, and wail. 
Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. What kind of text is this I'm reading here? (laughs) Humble, here's what he's saying. This wraps it up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You want to be lifted up, humble yourself before the Lord. If you're, if you're doing wrong and if you're playing around with this world and living ways that you ought not live, he's giving you an opportunity to humble yourself, straighten yourself up, and let the Lord lift you up. Quit trying to lift yourself up. Well, if I, if I go with the, with the right people, if I hang with the right people, you know, and, and stay connected with the right people, then they can help me. The Lord can help you a whole lot more than those sinful people that you're trying to, to uh, 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 cozy up with. Amen. Those organizations you feel like you need to belong to because it helps you strategically, you know, in your upward mobility. God can bump you up without any of their help. Amen. Anything you sacrifice, anything you compromise is what I intend to say. Anything you compromise uh, to lay hold of, compromising God's word, you will eventually lose it. Amen. It won't last. Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. Amen. I just introduced this. That's just my introductory verse, to live clean. <laughs> Be sure you're not practicing a sinful lifestyle. Amen. Friendship with this world means enmity against God. Hallelujah. Last Wednesday night, we talked about walking in the light. Walk in the light. Don't walk in the darkness. Walk in the light. We'll have time to go over that again. We talked about the fact that persistent sin can lead to judgment over time. It's another thing that people don't want to hear today, but the Bible teaches it. We gave uh, one, two, three, four different references. If, I'm, if I'm, I have them all written down here, I think I got to most of them. Uh, persistence in, in living a sinful life over sooner or later is going to lead to judgment in your life. And you don't want that. Amen. And, there, and there's a way out of that. You don't have to have that. We talked about the fact that God will judge spiritual sins quicker than he will physical sins. What do I mean by physical sins? Well, we, know, we all know what physical sins are. But spiritual sins, judgmentalism, unforgiveness. Jesus said, when you stand praying the prayer of faith, when you're asking God for something and you believe you receive it, While you're in that place of exercising your faith, he said, if you have ought against anybody, forgive them. Forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, God can't forgive you. You say, well, I see the other other side of that is God has already forgiven us. In Christ, God has forgiven us of all of our sin. That's That's a positional statement. We are born again because all of our sins have been, have been taken by the Lord Jesus Christ and he went to the cross for all of our sins. But then we have to walk out a life of obedience because acts of sin now are still sin. And that's why 1 John says if we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, when, you, when you're not forgiving somebody else, how can God's hit, positionally, he has forgiven you. But temporally and 
experientially in this situation, you're not, you're withholding forgiveness from somebody else. That is sin. And while you're, and while you're consciously holding unforgiveness, then you're, you're in a state of sin. Well, you can't, you can't receive cleansing from that until you forsake it. That's why it's so important to, to make sure you don't allow a grudge, any animosity or ill will in your heart toward anybody. If somebody has done you wrong, you forgive them. You say, well, they didn't ask to for forgiveness. They don't have to ask for forgiveness. You forgive them out of your own heart. Out of an act of, for, as an act of your own will, you forgive them. And see, when you forgive someone, you release them. Because when God forgave you, he didn't keep mentioning it to you. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't hold it over your head. He doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't continue to try to punish you in some way or withhold blessings from you. If God's forgiven you, he forgets it and he acts like it never happened because he has put it away from his memory. God has the ability supernaturally to not remember what he doesn't want to remember. And he says, I will not remember your sins. Well, if he doesn't remember them, then he's not thinking about them. And if he doesn't remember them, then he's not gonna bring them up to you. He's not gonna bring them up to other people. When you forgive somebody, you release them. In other words, if, if this brother did something uh, that, that was injurious to me, if I, if I forgive him, then I release him, if, I'm, if I've truly forgiven him, I release him from all obligation in connection with what he did. He's not obligated in any way, any longer in, this, in, in whatever this thing was. His obligation to me is over because I forgave it. If, I, if, if, he, if he stole $100 and I forgave him, then I'm not demanding the $100 back. I forgave it. I released the debt. The debt is gone. Isn't that right? Well, that's the way God is. When he forgives us, he releases us. So if you forgive somebody, then you're gonna treat them as though it never happened. The next time you see them, it's gonna be like it doesn't exist. There, that history doesn't exist. It's not there. You don't continue to hold that person uh, aloof and kind of make them suffer for a little while until they are really sure. Not if you've forgiven them. They want to make sure they really know what they did. That's out of your hands now. If you've forgiven them, it's forgiven. Ephesians says, forgive one another as God through Christ Jesus forgave you. Well, and what I'm describing, is that how God did it? When he forgave you, he washed you and, and remade you and said the past is, has passed away. It's dead, it's gone. God never brings that up. Well, praise the Lord. That's what it means to forgive. And that's, and that's what he wants us to walk in. 
Unforgiveness, holding things against people can hurt you. It can really hurt you. Because those things build up. Little unforgiveness here, a little unforgiveness there, a little uh, animosity here, a little uh, animosity, just ill will here and there. It builds up spiritually in your life. And it can block the blessings of God from coming to you. Somebody years ago uh, gave this illustration. He said he saw in the spirit this big, this big pipe. It was like a huge water main, like a main that comes into a building, this big pipe. And on the far end of it, there was all of this water, like a river of water, trying to get into the end of that pipe, flowing against the end of the pipe, and it was all splattering and going around. And he said in the end that was right up over his head, it was just a, a couple little drops coming out. And he said, Lord, what is that? He said, that's those little, little uh, occasions, those little instances of unforgiveness in your life that have accumulated in that pipe and I'm trying to pour my blessings into your life and it's coming back at me because the pipe is all full of all of this trash and all of this stuff that you've held on to little by little by little. Having a little animosity towards this person. You know, I just don't like to be around so-and-so. Well, you know, you don't have to like to be around everybody. But your heart toward them has to be right. There's a difference. Amen. If people don't build you up, if they tear you down and, and, uh, and, and weaken you and, and try to undermine your faith, don't spend time with them. But, but at the same time, don't have an attitude against them. Pray for them and love them. And pray that somebody else will spend some time with them. <laughs> That can help them. If you can't help them, then somebody else can. Yeah. Amen. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? There's a difference. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Glory to God. Well, I sure intended to go to point number four, but <laughs> I think this is important. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Amen. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to repent and be quick to believe God. If you want God's blessing in your life, be quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to believe God. The most successful Christians are Christians who they just forgive real easy. They just, they just have, they have that in their heart. They have a, a humble and a tender heart toward God and they're just so thankful that God has forgiven them. If you want to have your perspective right, always remember what God's done for you. How big a bonehead you've been. How you've dishonored God. How you've done things to despite God. How you've done things that, that you knew God didn't want and didn't approve of, and you did it anyway, and God forgave you. Well, then who are you to turn around and say, well, this person, they, they know that hurt me, and they did it anyway. Well, that's a good example of you. It's a real good example of you and you can be like God. You can forgive them just like he in Christ Jesus forgave you. So a person who has a tender heart, 
They're, they just have a forgiving heart. Oh, God, don't hold that against them. I know they, they, they were wrong, and I don't know if they intended it. It seems like they did, but I don't know that they did. It doesn't matter whether they did or not. I just want you to love them and help them and, and bless them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Isn't that right? Bless them. He said, forgive, he said, he said, love your enemies, bless them, do good for them, and pray for them. That's four things Jesus said to do. Love them. What does bless mean? It means speak good of them. It means speak good of them. When you have the opportunity to say something, don't make it a dig. I remember one time I went into a, a local hardware store. This was years ago. And uh Somebody had really said some nasty things about me and my wife that were completely unfounded. And I, I knew that, I went into, into this hardware store and the, the man who was running the hardware store, he brought up the name of this, of this man who was going around town. He was going around town, I knew it because I'd gotten reports. He's going around town talking about me. We hadn't been here but about three years in this, in this community. And I was in this hardware store and the, and the proprietor of the store, the owner of the store, he brought up this man's name. And I knew, I knew it by revelation, I knew that guy's just been in here filling this man full of tails. So I did it on purpose. I leaned into, kind of looked around like this, you know, like, like I didn't want anybody to hear, you know how you do. I said, let me tell you something about and I named that guy's name and oh boy you should have seen his eyes I mean he was he, he, he knew he was going to get some dirt boy he was like I mean his eyes were bouncing all around you know he was, I said I want you to know that's one of the finest most upright men godly men I've ever met you, you should have seen his face his countenance fell he was so disappointed he was so disappointed because he just knew I was going to that's what it's talking about. And, and I meant what he said. The guy that was saying these things about my wife and me, he was a godly man. You said, well, it doesn't sound like it. Look in the mirror sometimes. He had gotten, he had gotten crossed up. His understanding was, wasn't right. He wasn't intentionally doing what he was doing. I mean, he, in a sense he was, but he didn't mean to be wrong about it. He was just, he was just you know, messed up on some stuff and he had gotten offended. And, but he was, he was a godly man in the sense that he lived an upright life before God. He was a good testimony to people where he worked. He was a good Christian man. And that's what I was saying. I said, he, he's one of the most upright and most godly men I know. What was I doing? I had the opportunity to say something else that might have been truthful. But in, instead, I, I, I chose a different truth. I chose a different truth and I, I blessed him. I blessed him. To bless means to speak well of. If you look at the, the, the actual meaning of that word, it means to, is to speak well of. Another way to bless somebody is to give them something. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Huh? Do good to those who spitefully use you and pray for them. I'm not quoting it exactly. Can you, have you found Is that what it says? Pray for them. Do them good. Amen. 
I tell you what, it will help you so much more than it'll help anybody else. Amen. Because it'll keep that pipe cleared out. Yeah. So that God's blessing can come to you. Because those things do hinder. Now we know things hinder because James said these things hinder. Didn't he? Isn't that what he said? He said, uh, submit to God and then resist the devil. Don't, don't resist the devil and be submitted to him at the same time. If you want all of God, be fully submitted to him. I don't want, I don't want any of the devil stuff working in my life. I don't, want, I don't want his influence climbing in a crack in the wind, under the windows, under the door. I want all of, all of that closed off. In Ephesians, Paul said, give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give him any opportunity. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word blesses us. It helps us. It gives us light, shows us where we're missing it, shows us how to correct ourselves, shows us the path that leads to fullness and blessing. Glory to God. Even when you do speak correction to our heart, Lord, it's always in an uplifting way. It's always in a way that, that points us out of our trouble, points us to the way of, of fullness, of having everything that belongs to us. Your word of correction never condemns us. It never tells us we can't make it and we're not worthy and, and, and we don't measure up. It always tells us, yeah, you've missed it, but here's what you can do to, to straighten it out. So we receive that today. We receive correction in our hearts, Lord. Glory to God. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. That word, that thought, that idea that keeps coming to you that you'll never make it, that you'll never amount to anything, that you'll never measure up, that's not a word from the Lord. I didn't tell you that, says the Lord. I told you you have made it. I've made you measure up. I've made you worthy. Arise and, and listen to what I say to you and stop listening to the enemy because that which tears you down, that which discourages, that which, that, that which makes you feel like you'll never make it, that's a word from the enemy. My word is always edification. My word is always that which will build you up. My word will always encourage you in the right way to go. And my word will always point to victory. My word will always point you 
to victory and show you you can have it all. So obey my word, listen to what I've said in my holy word and you will overcome. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, it's the truth. Amen. The enemy will always try to put you down and and try to make you give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever back down. Glory to God. Anything he says you can't do, that's a good indication that it's already yours. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.